Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Pastor, please, can I share my screen? Yes, you can. Is this one showing? Okay. Okay, ah. I think it's better. Is it okay now? Yep, it is. Okay. Hello, everybody, again. Um, Pastor, please can I pray for us? Why not? Father God, we thank you for another evening together. We thank you for your word that is ever so fresh. And we thank you for the vessel that you've prepared to share it tonight. We just ask that this space that we're sharing together would be a blessed space and that which you want for us to from tonight's conversation we're all going to pick it we also pray that every contributor in terms of our contribution and questions will be enriching and enriched in return all to the praise and glory of your name in jesus name amen amen thank you sir and welcome everybody this evening to our beautiful beautiful enriching meeting another episode <laughs> yes yeah, so the question today is how can i be blessed so I just want to hear uh, ideas from us. What, what do you think? Let me see our faces. How do you think you can be blessed? Just in like a phrase, a simple phrase. I'll start with Sister Nike. Huh. <laughs> so um, I think um, basically, it's it's a subjective question but um from from a point of view as a you can be blessed by basically being a blessing to others yeah. you don't you don't necessarily have to receive when you give but once you're able to be a blessing to others just being able to spread that joy or whatever is a blessing to you is a blessing to others. It's just like bringing more joy to the world. So, mm. yeah. All right. Thank you very much for that beautiful contribution, Damala. When how do you how can you say how can I be blessed? How do you think you can be blessed? I, I love this smile. Sorry. This smile that is just warming my heart. Yeah, that. <laughs> just one you know, word or one phrase. That comes to your mind when you hear somebody is blessed, or if you consider yourself blessed, what do you think that means for yourself? Blessed, successful, you're doing things in the right direction, basically. Okay, thank you for that. If I, anything for us? As Stanika said, um, also glorifying. So, um, now she's talked about people and I'm also talking about like letting it glorify God when you're being uh, a blessing to other people. So my, my word is glorify. <laughs> Don't let mm. us talk so much. <laughs> Thank you for that. Okay. Hey, I won't ask pastor, so we'll not close the meeting for the day. <laughs> All right. So how can I be blessed? You know, in the Bible, even especially some versions, you hear when they say blessed are probably happy are those that are, do you understand? 
or when you say you have a blessed God, a holy God, some say as if you're blessed, it means you're satisfied. Everything you want in life, you have. You're happy. You're highly favored. When you see people in the congregation, that one understand that everything just seems it's just easy. Milk drinking Christian. So people say that, that when you when you when you when you want to think of a blessed person, you think of the most uh I mean visually correct looking or someone that seems like everything is just at ease with their life. You look at prosperous people, rich people, people that seem fulfilled, like if I just said um and uh Damola successful, uh if I said glorious, fine holy, praised, someone that is highly praised, someone that is applauded a lot, someone with a lot of benefits. We think, are these kind of words that come to our mind when we think of people that are blessed? Yes, ma'am. Exactly, okay. So, sorry. My answer is no. <laughs> okay. Okay, please no. go on. You go know on. how they say that, don't, don't look like what you're going through. Mm. So I don't believe people's outward appearance or what they happen to have. Beautiful. <laughs> no. I, I, I like that. Thank you for that. Beautiful. Now, when we say someone is blessed, what is the opposite? Mm. Somebody that is not blessed is what? It's cursed. The, person, the person is cursed. Is it that you're, like you say, you can't be lukewarm. You're not inside the middle like this. Is it that you're blessed? or you're not, is it that you're cursed or you're not? And the opposite, these are just the opposites of the words. If you're not blessed, you are cursed. Now we have oracles and those are maybe prophets. Some of, some of them call them prophets uh, that just say things directly from God. They are conduits for divine revelation and they often start their statement with, thus saith the Lord. Uh, they speak not from their own understanding or from their own wisdom, but is a distinct and direct maybe uh, a distinct and direct you know, word from God that God has given to them to give to his people. And then those oracles, they can be of will, which, can, which, which we know as blessed are uh, happy, uh, holy, uh, or oracles of woe. Those of us who say cursed are uh, woe unto you. Thus says the Lord, woe unto you, so and so and so like that. So those are some type of oracles that we have, which means when you're blessed, you're bringing good news. And... Um, the other, the contrary, the, the other part of that is who are you that or cursed are you that this and that, which is apparently not good news. You know, it's something that would cause fear or anguish that I'm not blessed, I'm cursed. So those are just some instances. I don't know if, can somebody open to um, Amos 6 1 for us, please? And maybe somebody else should start opening for to Matt, uh, Matthew 23 15. Who's, who's at Amos? Oh, I love we have our Bibles. Beautiful. <laughs> Amos 6 1, you said. Yes, sir. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, What sorrow awaits you who lounge in luxury in Jerusalem and you who feel secure in Samaria? You're mm -hmm. famous and popular in Israel and people go to you for help. What sorrow awaits you? it was put here like woe unto you like suppose in the kjb what is in zion mm. pastor one well, passage you just read now yeah. can you just say what you pick from it why are those people why is there woe unto those people they said because they lounge in luxury in other mm. words um they are dwelling in they are unconcerned about the plight of the people and of course this is specifically to the leaders um mm. 
those that are supposed to be saddled with the responsibility to see to the welfare of others, but they choose rather instead to be um, safe in their own security. As long as we are fine, as long as we are comfortable, as long as we are well, we don't mind whatever goes on elsewhere. And God is saying to them, woe unto you. Woe unto you. What, what, what sorrow awaits you? Hmm. Mm, thank you. Yeah. You can see the, the impact of that. And who's at Matthew 25? Um, woe to, oh, yeah, to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Mm. Ash. Mm. What version is that? Oh my God. <laughs> Real international version. That version is strong. As in, really. Um, Nikki, can you? Just give us a little bit of exegesis on what you think you just read. What does that so, say to you? I, I think that um, when false teachers are teaching new comebacks, they're basically mm -hmm. teaching them the falsehood that is of their own understanding, not God's. So you're combating, but you're basically not combating them to God. You're just <laughs> combating them to your own level of understanding. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Wow. See all these fiery scholars. I this is amazing. <laughs> scholars of the Bible. <laughs> okay, at least we understand now the the kind of cases where you hear woe unto you, and and mm. um, we are unblessed. So we're just going to bless now. But at least we've covered cursed uh, people that kind of people that can be cursed from what Pastor said and what from what Nikke just said. Um, now when we think of great men and women in the Bible that are called blessed. Do you think today in our world, they'll be called blessed? Let me give some instances. Mary, blessed okay. are you. Oh, something, Elizabeth the, went to meet us. Ah, the child in my womb left for joy when she when you heard your voice and whatnot. Okay. But look at Mary, shamed. Glory be to God for his faithfulness in Joseph's life. Covered as shame, small. <laughs> you know, pregnant by the Holy Spirit, how? Imagine I came to church tomorrow and I said, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. I'm a teenager and somebody wants to marry, I'm betrothed to somebody. You, you, it looks like foolishness. And then even after all of that, you want to birth the Lord of us, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Ordinary 5,000 hotel you cannot find. Uh. In a manger with animals where donkeys are kept, the insult upon injury. You understand? Will that person be called blessed in our eyes? You cannot afford housing. You're going, um, 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 what do you call it? The government housing your project, your living side project, and you call yourself mother of the Messiah. Which Messiah? My, my, my Messiah is not poor. I am not going to be saved by a Messiah of poverty. You understand? Look yeah. at Abraham. 100 years, not one child. You finally got the child. You are going to sacrifice the child. God, what is happening here? Yeah. You understand? So those kind of things to us look like, no, ah, this kind of hardship. My God is the God of ease. My God is the God of happiness and all those things. Look at the apostles, which is so terrifying. Bartholomew was flayed. Uh, Please, Google flayed after this. Crucified and drowned, as if flaying wasn't enough for him. Thomas was speared. Matthew burned, stoned, beheaded, and slain. Jude was axed. Paul was beheaded, our beloved Paul. Peter crucified. He said he's not worthy. Put me upside down. Oh. Some were impaled. Some were shot with arrows, skinned alive, 
on and on and on and on like that. And it just begs the question that, okay, but these are the kind of people we look forward to today. And for the sake of Christ, are we willing to go through this? Do we still regard them as blessed? If we went through this, we will call ourselves blessed. Mm. It's just something to sit back and just think about. Can I speak? Sorry. Please go just, on. Um, in the past couple of days, um, there's this um, video that I've been circulating on social media of this um, pastor, mm -hmm. a woman. I shall basically preaching that um, if you're the richest person in your circle, please dump them and look for people richer than you. Mm -hmm. So that's basically the type of churches that we have right now. Mm. Thank you. Very, very profound. I saw that, that headline as well. And the woman is the in-law to one of my old classmates. And, you know, she's held in high esteem and we know I don't want to mention him so that, but we understand if you have not heard the, the, what she said, it's just that if you, if you're the richest, most prosperous person in your circle, what are you doing there? Elevate yourself or you're not supposed to be in that circle. But I, I want to ask, like, what do we think about that? For example, um, Kingsley, can you talk? No. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I can't talk. I don't know if there's any background. Uh, no, we can hear you. Now, when it comes to, Okay. Is it was based on? I would like to know the context one, what she said, but mm. it's very wrong to uh, place blessings to be attached to money because God, when He spoke to Abraham in the Bible, and when He spoke about blessings in the first part, He never attached it to um, to money. One of the things that God said is that I know that Abraham will teach his children my ways. And these are the things. And he says that a wise man leaves inheritance for his children. And it wasn't money. He was talking about, if you look at Solomon, Solomon talked about what David left for him. And he said, David taught me, my father taught me the ways of God. So God does not look at wealth. Wealth is even the least thing that God looks at. So when somebody is making such statement, I would love to hear the context the person is making such statement. But Blessings is never attached to money because there's an adage in Igbo land is like you have life, you have hope, and having good health is a blessing. I think I'll stop for here now. Thank you. Thank you for that beautiful contribution. And one thing I appreciate about what you said, you started your statement with what is the content? What is the con context? Sorry, context, right? Like you haven't heard the whole story, and it shows a lot of maturity from what you just said because. So you could easily just make assumptions based on that tiny sentence we just heard, which is a beautiful way to approach things. But you also went into the Bible and said, when, you, when you're saying you're being blessed or passing generational wealth, it might not look like money. So which is beautiful. I, had, I was in a conversation with some of my friends and they're church, good Christians. And this man was telling his wife, I don't like that friend for you because you're more prosperous than her. Why are you, why are you in the midst of people that you're the best of? So that is question for another day, but maybe that's something for us to think about. And towards the end, we'll, you know, we'll talk about that in detail. So I put here that to be blessed is to be in the presence of God, even in turmoil. And that can look as like different things, you know, but I will we'll look at some Bible verses that will corroborate this. Because when we say be happy, be fulfilled, 
be prosperous, you're blessed, you're holy. And our ultimate aim at the end of the day is to walk fellowship with God in heaven, that may his kingdom come, may his will be done. So isn't that the ultimate blessing? And some people will say, oh, but blessings should look like other things as well. You can't just be blessed spiritually. That should permeate into my physical life. I cannot, people that have um, private jets are not two-headed. And sometimes I ask myself, okay, when people say the God of so-and-so, bless me, the God of so-and-so, the one we know and we embrace a lot is Isaac, Jacob, you know, um, when you hear things like the, the God of uh, Pastor Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when you hear things like um, the God of Adeboe or the God of whoever, what do, what comes to your mind? What do you think make people attribute that to them? What do you think they've seen in that person to say the God of this soul person, not Lord God of hosts, do this for me? What do we think? Anybody has anything? Uh, to be honest, sorry, guys. To be honest, yeah, I, 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 I actually don't like that statement when people make it the God of a, a particular person to bless me. And I'll give my reasons why I don't like it. Um, it's simple. Um, we don't know about, there are a lot of things we don't know in the physical realm. And I'm not saying that anybody is doing anything wrong or anything hidden, but if I come and say the God of Pastor should bless me, I don't know the God Pastor is serving. He could be serving the living God. Now, when I talk of God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we have it written down in the manuscript of the Bible of how their life went out. And we know that their life was a life of uprightness. We saw the end of it. But the life of Pastor I have not seen the end. So maybe when I get to heaven and then see that you truly serve the God of uh, uh, post, then I'll be like, okay, it's the same God. There's something I saw on the internet today. Someone said that God told her that the son is okay, that God told her he created the son to be a transgender. She will lose my voice now <laughs> because I'm in public. But that God uh, uh, told her that, and then people are like, we need to start to find this God. Which God? Is it our own big God that is the, or is it the, uh, your own God? Because now people say, God of this person, how do you know the God? So I think it needs to come. So I don't really buy that statement. I, I don't like it. I'm not saying it's wrong. But I believe, I feel like we should have an encounter or we should stick to the God of hosts or the one that we know and we've seen proven in the Bible that we've done this and not the one of individuals. The individuals are nice, but let's, let's not bring the focus on the individuals but on God Almighty. So that's, I don't really uh, pass, but back to your question. The people that use that statement is because they have seen something in that person that they want to tap in. So maybe the person is blessed or the person, um, when I mean blessed, the person is rich or the person is influential or something is happening to the person. They'll be like, oh, the God of so-so-so person, please answer my prayer. The God that did it for this person also do it for me and mm. all that. So mm. I think I've Thank said, uh, I've tried to balance things up as well. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, Ife, you were raising your hand. Um, yes, so um, I also don't say it, but I think the reason why people say it is because they see this person, the man of God, as a man after God's heart, and the Bible said, by their fruit you shall know them, so you need to be convinced personally, I think, so even though you would like to say that, in your spirit, you have to allow the Holy Spirit to convince you 
personally to say, like, okay, this person is a man after God's heart. This person is a woman after God's heart. So I think it's personal conviction. But personally, for me, I don't say it because, like, I've not, I've not gotten that personal conviction to say it. But when you see the fruits of the spirit, you would, you know, you would have that um, assurance. Like my pastor, to be sincere, I was in my pastor's year because I have that personal conviction that they serve the living God. Mm. Because in as much as um, I've been under them, I've learned. I've also witnessed, it's a taste and see. The reason you would tell someone else to taste and see that the Lord is good is because that you have tasted it yourself. So the reason why my pastors would say, if I taste and see, go yourself, ask the Holy Spirit. They will tell me, you need to pray yourself. Let the Holy Spirit tell you. And when you start observing that for yourself, you say, definitely, this person serves the living God. That's why the person is able to give me that assurance. Mm. So I would say it just depends on personal um, conviction. Thank you for that beautiful contribution. My second question was going to be, is there anybody that has said something like that of somebody on, in the world right now, somebody that has passed of recent, you know, maybe God of TB Joshua or God of somebody. Do you, is there anybody that has made such a statement or do you believe in that? And why, if you can guide us with, is anybody? No, all right. I'm actually uh, what I've said, yeah, is God of I go to Church of Resurrection Power. So then we say the God of Resurrection Power because the God we say it well, and I don't really know why we say it to be honest, but um, and we are convinced that we are serving the living God. So the God that operates in this church to do this for us, but when I got understanding. And we thought it was something Joshua um, said to Pastor when he bought, uh, he bought Joshua a toy. Joshua was thanking the postman. And he's just like, instead of um, thanking or instead of communicating with my father, I'm like, oh, let me communicate through Henry. I'll be like, ah, <laughs> um, uh, Henry's father will do this thing. And I can as well just go to say, Daddy, I'll be like, uh, Henry's father, do this for me. Or instead of operating to that, I, so I just feel like there's no junior or senior Holy Spirit. So if we understand that we all have the same spirit of God in us, we know that even we are we the same God, the same Father, we are equal. I think that's the statement. We are all equal in the sight eyes. So that the using somebody's God and we are not sure. And when I mean sure, even as much as the free. It's showing it, but we've seen a lot of deception this period where you are going to be saying you may not see completely. I think it's safer to know the God that you're the one that God has revealed to you. We've got Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the anointed one that has been revealed to us in the scriptures. And it's better you use that, the one that you know that has been revealed, than using the God of somebody that you don't know about. Thank so, you for that, Kingsley. Um, okay, Dami Larry, please go on. Good evening, everyone. Evening. Well, yes, I would like to uh, um, agree with them. I don't know if it's um, Mr. Henry or I think so, sir. I don't know. The, the last speaker, sir. That that I would I would like to add that yes, God meets us at the at the at the level of our faith. 
Because a typical example of this God of this thing is, um, I don't know, people that, like, CAC people, like, they will say that the God of Avalola, and it will actually work. So I, I feel that our, our understanding, while God does not expect us to outsource our relationship with him, mm-hmm. I believe that for someone to say, okay, for, for God to become a God of a particular person, like the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, there was an investment, there was a faith work that those guys had with God. So belonging to their lineage, you could latch on that, okay, when I say the God of Abraham, I know what I'm trying to say. And I believe that that was before, even before God became the God of Jacob, God had to introduce himself to Jacob and say, okay, would you want me to be your God at that point in, in Bethel? So I feel that, so that at the end of um, Jacob's life, Jacob could transfer the blessing and say to um, um, Joseph's children that the angel that followed me that protected me, that provided for me, let that angel also do this. So he was transferring his faith work, his faith investment. So I feel that we all as believers, we have a responsibility for the name of God to also answer to us by our faith work. Of course, it, it's a easier way out to say, okay, I'm latching on the, on the, on the faith work that um, Baba Deboe or that, that all these our fathers have actually it's a track record and the truth is that people that believe in it when they use it it actually works because it's a track record it's a track record that those people have actually developed with god and because of their faith and sincerity of heart when some people call that name it will respond but it's a it's it's like for believers that that have, that have grown to a certain extent it's like an escape route you should actually also grow your faith work with god such that your children can also say like God, like your children have, have seen you living out faith that they can say, the God of my father can actually do this. I've actually seen God work this out in my father's life. So I believe that that God that my father is serving, he can also do this. So I feel that as believers, everyone has a responsibility to have that faith work with God that can be able to produce results because these men, that they are actually men and we're not supposed to actually um, it's not idol. It should be it will be idol worship for us to say, okay, every time we want to get to God and we want a quick answer, we we'll go through the God of Avarola because we answer by fire. No, <laughs> it should also be our God. David told Solomon, he said, "Know the God of your father." So he was telling him that you can't you, you can't latch on what I what the, my investment with God alone. You, you need to know God for yourself also, because you have seen Him work in my life. You have seen how God brought me from a nobody to a somebody. I'm telling you that it was God that did this. So therefore, you too, you need to know this. So I believe it's the responsibility of every parent or every um, leader to point, every leader, yes, to point their followers to the God, God. Mm. God of the blessing, so that they can also invest, because that's justice, Sha. Thank you very much. Thank you for that beautiful, wonderful contribution. The question I want to ask, Damilari has kind of brought it forth. First, for some people to say the God of this, the God of that, they've seen the evidence of the blessing of God and they tag these people blessed. So what do they see in those people that are making them blessed? That was what we've covered generally. Now, the other question is, and that, like Damilari said, can people say the God of Ife? 
the God of Titi, do we shine that light? Are we a formidable force of blessedness for people to say, oh my God, what you've done for this person, I want you to do for me. Let's just ruminate on that and let's move forward. Okay. When we are talking about blessings, you will see several places in the Bible, blessed are these, blessed are that. If you look at um, uh, on Titan in Malachi chapter three, verse 10, in Proverbs 16, 20, um, my favorite Psalm one verse, um, Psalm, the first chapter of, of the Psalms, blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, uh, sits in the seat of the scornful. You know, that, that, that particular, Verse, that chapter, that Psalm 1-1 is just powerful for me. We look at um, Psalm 1-1-9-2. We look at just several places in the Bible where you see that, oh, blessed are those that don't do this. You don't repay evil for evil in First Peter 3, 9, like that, like that. But when we look at blessed, uh, when we're thinking of ah uh, blessing, we're thinking of Beatitudes, which is honestly in the whole of the Bible, one of my absolute favorites. And um, I'll just go through them. We can look at them from Matthew chapter 5, 1 to 12. It says, blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Another version says, they will be, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I just take a minute to think of that. So when you're thinking of that, blessed are the poor in spirit, happy are the poor in spirit, or the, the most abstract one that you'd be like, happy are those that are persecuted because of righteousness. You know, are you happy in that persecution? Are you joyful in that persecution? Are you holy? Are you blessed in that persecution? Are you rejoicing? Are you glad, you know, in that persecution? You'll just move forward and just look at each of them one after the other. So when we talk about these beatitudes, or they call them Sermon on the Mount, you, you know, you think of, oh, maybe Jesus is talking to some high class, blessed, giving them some coded secrets. But he was talking to the poor, the sick, seemingly unimportant people. They were not necessarily wealthy. They didn't have any status. And he was giving them the key to being blessed, the key. Because we already know these things will be recorded as well. And these beatitudes are actually referred to as supreme blessings. The first one, poor in spirit, poverty in spirit. So if you say, ah, if, and if you look at um, Luke, it's in um, uh, in Matthew that you can hear poor in spirit uh, because Luke didn't refer to the spirit, but blessed are the poor. And you're like, eh? You understand? But it, it goes it goes to show us that um, poverty, you can be poor materially and still be poor in the spirit. You can be rich material-wise and still be poor in the spirit. They are not exclusive or 
reliance on each other. You can be poor and poor in both ways or poor and rich in both. The, the emphasis on this first one is happy are those, blessed are those that are poor in the spirit. And it says for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, when we talk about poverty in the, or being poor in spirit, I think it just makes an emphasis on how we don't really overrate ourselves, how we humble ourselves. It, it points majorly to humility. When you don't take necessary pleasure in your achievements and accolades and your grandiosity, how great you are, how mighty things you've achieved, because you're thinking still of your own abilities or our own abilities. You know, when we are admitting we have limitations, we there's nothing we can do of our own accord, and we rely completely on the sufficiency we find in God. When we see ourselves as small in our own eyes, when we don't raise ourselves above, you know, what we are not. That is what that first blessing is talking about. And it's saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. There is this beautiful song that um, I will just share with us quickly. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This is the kingdom of God. And it goes on a little like that with all of the beatitudes and which is what makes me remember them so much. It's such a beautiful hymn. I'll probably share with us you know, eventually. And I think that's what poor in spirit emphasizing on when we're just humble and totally reliant on God. And it says, blessed are those who mourn. Please let's open our Bible so that we can follow them together. Matthew 5. Blessed are those, blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Blessed are they that mourn because they shall be comforted. And do you know why I like this beatitudes? Because if 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 you just said, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, blessed are, you're like, okay, but it's giving us what will come afterwards. And to mourn, people are like, hmm mourn 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 why should we be mournful why should we take pride or happiness in being sad not necessarily sadness but remorse and taking acceptance of responsibility especially when we value our own grief in our sensitivity to sin when we do things that are not right and we come back to god and we, you know we are remorseful we are repentant we low uh, we, we we have a lowly heart and understand that, oh my God, I desire to please you. I am mournful about what I've done or I'm mournful about situations. And one of the most powerful verses for me in the Bible and, and the shortest, Jesus wept. Like, eh, why is God crying? And he's interpreted as, oh, it's showing that he is, he can relate with our infirmities. He can relate with our pain. And mourning, some people think, oh, that to be mournful, is just about our own situations or the things that attack us. But it goes beyond that. When we see evil in the world, there's a wise saying that says, evil persists when good men do nothing. And like from what Pastor Ola said earlier, when he was explaining the other part of um, the, the, the presentation, when we are able to relate to the pain of others, Jesus, they all this whole thing we're doing on earth, Jesus coming, this old Christianity work was because God was able to feel our pain and he didn't want us to continue 
in that in that sadness or in that in, in, in where we were he felt what we felt he came to experience those things with us and it's just encouraging us when we see others going through things when we see so much turmoil in the world christians or non-christians we can't afford to turn a blind blind eye we can't afford, afford to be nonchalant about it that oh it doesn't it doesn't affect me me i'm out of nigeria now so let them <laughs> wound themselves we can easily because some of us can easily give up on that country god knows that country frustrates <laughs> you know the best of men but being able to relate and say at some point, I beg, I beg, those northern people. Uh-uh. As Christians, we pray for the salvation of everyone's souls. We are mournful about their plights. We, you know, the ache in your heart when you see something evil has gone on in the world, you're like, oh my God. God, that, that, just that mournful, that lowly heart. That is what we're talking about, being mournful. Blessed are the meek. Um, Dam Larry, do you want to help us with the uh, reply to that? Sorry, I don't. What am I supposed to do? Do you have your Do you have your Bible? <laughs> yes, I do. Okay, uh, Matthew chapter five, for this, verse for five. For this, inherit mm. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. When you talk about meek people, you know people are like, eh. Pious, holy, holy. Cannot finish one word. Cannot finish Gary. But when you talk about meekness, it's not talking about weakness or cowardice. It's not talking about things that happen. You're like, hey, I'm holy, I'm with God, and it's not my concern. It's not talking about those things. When you're meek, you're not exploiting people. You're not exploiting situations. Even when they will favor you, you're unassuming. You're gentle. That is what those are qualities we're looking for in a meek person. And then let's look at um, the most meek people that we can emulate. We're talking about Moses in the Old Testament. So unassuming. And the most powerful ruler of that world then was Pharaoh. And look at all of the things that happened. But, you know, it's, it's strength that looks like, who is this person and why has God chosen and why today, you know, when, you, when you're that strong that you don't exploit it, when you're that strong that you don't turn into a tyrant, you know, do you, if we understand how powerful Moses was then, he could easily have caused something different, but he stayed true to the mission and the vision of God for his people. And he worked with that. And we need to understand the amount of strength that it takes to be meek. You know, it's very easy to be given. Okay, let's, for example, they make me class captain and they give me cane to walk around the class. The first thing is, hey, I have arrived. You understand? <laughs> My friends will be happy because they now not necessarily want to write their names, but they will behave small. And those that are misbehaving want to adjust. But we, we, it's easy for us for power to, to consume us and take over our mind. But meekness, we have been encouraged to be meek. We have been encouraged to use that strength for good. And when you're looking at the meekest of them all, of all people that we have witnessed or we've heard about, apparently Jesus Christ of Nazareth. If we can just understand the, the, the power behind God coming down, the humility it takes 
to come to the midst of his people and dwell with us. And when you hear, oh, this person is trying to do, this person is trying to do that. Do we know what it takes for Jesus to say, oh yeah, sleep and don't wake up again? It's very easy. But the meekness it took, the gentility, the patience, the courage, the strength. And look at the adulterous woman, for example. They came, uh, all these Jewish people with their laws. Ah, she's adulterous. Stone, let us stone her, let us kill her. That is what is written in the law. What did Jesus say? Jesus is so smart. Like, obviously, okay, obviously, sorry. <laughs> I always relate like he's my best day. And I'm like, look at his reply. He did not say stone no, or don't stone. If you know you haven't committed any sin, any atrocity, you'll be the first person to, to go ahead and stone. And everybody's like, eh, wait. And when you look at those days, Pastor always emphasizes those over how many hundreds of laws and you start calculating to number 58, you're like, hey, I lied yesterday. You understand? So it's just for us to understand that in where we stand <laughs> by our own selves, we are so unworthy. And that when we have that meek heart, we are able to recognize that and we're able to pass judgment a lot less on people. And we're able to just know, to, to use to, to the best of our abilities, the, the resources we have or the position we have for the good of everybody you know, involved. And this doesn't necessarily mean that when we now see that things are happening, because we are gentle, we are unassuming, we, are, we don't want to exploit, we fold our arms. Meekness isn't cowardice. Weakness, uh, meekness is not weakness. It, it takes strength to speak against evil. It takes strength to stand up against evil. And that is what a meek person does. But they do it so beautifully. You can't even fault them. Maybe those evil people will. But when you hear of the story of David, when you hear the story of Moses, of Jesus, you're like, wow, wow. They could have done so much more. A man that could put a rod by the power of God to divide a whole sea. Can we just imagine such miracles today? You, 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 they'll be carrying you in a chair on top of shoulder as they're doing those. I don't know if you look at those ethnic movies and the king and, you know, eh, the most powerful, Yoruba, Kogun, you can undo anything. You, you know, you will have 50 shoulder pads. But no, those people still remained very, very humble. That is what meekness is about. And then when you're talking about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, it says they will be satisfied they will be satisfied. Now, when we look at that, we can think, hey, if I hunger and thirst for righteousness, if I hunger and thirst for justice, does that mean I'm in con constant turmoil? And does that mean that everything will go according to how I want it to go? What does that satisfaction mean? I think what we're talking about here is that hunger and thirst for righteousness is to just do things that please God and to have this fiery passion to work with God. So what, that, that you're not at peace, you're not at rest when you're not doing things that align with the ways of God. And what this does is it frees us from guilt. It frees us from shame. It, it makes us one more with our true self, which we're trying to attain, holiness. Hunger and thirst for righteousness directs us more towards the way of God, towards light, towards being the salt of the earth. And that is what we should try to achieve. Now, next one says, blessed are the merciful. <laughs> Very, I love this one so much. For they shall obtain mercy. It's like the most 
succinct one. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And it is frightening, yes, yet so comforting. Ah, if I have mercy on people, I will obtain mercy. Beautiful. How easy is that? And look at that Bible verse. I don't know if um, anyone can remind us where um, the man went to pray or give offerings and like, what shall I do? Leave your offering. Whoever you've offended, whoever has offended you, go and meet them and sort it out first. Because we're coming to God and we expect all kinds of forgiveness and all kinds of love and gifts. But we are not that gracious to ourselves. And that is why in the, in the wisdom of God, the ultimate prayer, the, the Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And everybody does possibly we always rush that part, that part. God has forgiven my sins. <laughs> we we don't pay attention to the fact that have you forgiven every single person that could for, offend you? One thing I tell my husband when he's done things, it's like, how why is this so easy for you? I'm like, before you offend me, I'm forgiving you. Because I can't you can't yes, so. <laughs> you can't hold on to that. And being merciful is being compassionate, being caring, where you, you're able to feel what people feel, even though you are the one that is being wronged and you're the one that is hurt. You see beyond that. You're able to, you, you're able to, to tap into the grace that God has given unto us. You know, you're like, God loves me so much. If only we can love each other as much as God loves us. Imagine, just imagine it as much as God loves you. And you're able to love everybody else like that. And we, what, this verse, what this particular, this one is saying is, if you don't love people or you're not merciful unto people, you're not compassionate, you're not caring unto people as God is caring unto you, what are you doing? That's the question that it begs. So in our walk with Christ, it's, it's, it can be difficult because you're like, ah, this person wronged me. Yay, fire and brimstone. <laughs> but, but if we can just lower ourselves, and that's why they're just intertwined and they tap into each other. If we can be meek, if we can be poor in spirit and totally rely on God for all things, what has that person done to you? As we were killing Jesus, he was loving and forgiving us. As somebody crucified you, that you cannot forgive them. Anyways, let's think upon this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see. In fact, this one eh, is very strong. Blessed are the pure in heart. What does it mean to have purity of heart? You're like, hey, how will I be pure in heart? One of my favorite hymns. Creating me a clean heart, oh Lord, and renew your spirit within me. You understand? When you're pure in heart, you have a sincere, like me and I know somebody, pastor emphasizing on this as well as I do. Your, the reason for your actions sometimes is just more, is more important, if just as important as those actions themselves. Yeah. Where your heart is clean, when your heart is pure, where your intentions, your motives are right. Some of these things we even do might not look right in the eyes of other people, but is it man you seek to please? Oh God, do you seek the approval of man over the appeal that it has towards God? 
how can we have a pure heart? By meditating on God's word, by trying as much as possible to be entwined with the Holy Spirit in us, such that there is no such condemnation. We know that even when our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And it taps back to the first one, poor in spirit. You're pure in heart because you know that you can't do it. It's not by your actions. It's not by the works of our own hands that we are pure in spirit. It's because we rely on the Holy Spirit to do his work in us. We rely on God totally. And by our, there's this book we read in G24 in church, transformed by situations and transformed by circumstances. We can read the Bible all day, every day. And nobody will be able to relate with us. And that doesn't guarantee our purity of heart. Purity of heart relating with other people and understanding that whatever they do is, 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 is not influencing your intentions towards them. Your intentions towards them is the intention of God towards you because it means well for you. So you meaning deeply well for everybody we come across. That, the beauty in that, imagine if the world was comprised of people like that. When we are unassuming, we're not self-centered. We have a sincere motive. Such a beautiful world. Those, these are the kind of things that God is telling us. Blessed are holy are. And without holiness, we cannot see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. It says here, blessed are those who work for peace. They shall be called the children of God. <laughs> you know, it's easy to, to make peace when things are going our way. Mm. When this is what we actually want. Ah, fine. Of course, there's peace in the house. But let's look at the first people in our surrounding where we can show peace towards our wives, our husbands, our friends, our classmates, our church members, even when they are undeserving, even when it's not about us, it's about two people that loggerheads. Are we the advocates? Are we that instrument of peace? God make us instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let your love increase. Are we that, that tool for making things palatable, for making environments blissful? Are we even trying to be that, or it doesn't concern us, you're at peace in yourself and Jesus and Holy Spirit? Because we are not Christians by our own selves. We are a community. And what happens in our surroundings affects us, affects our purity, affects everything that concerns us. And even when we do not get our own way, let us strive for peace, kindness to our enemies. And, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to think about somebody hurt your mom, somebody hurt your dad, somebody hurt you. Do you want peace for these people, true, true? You're like, oh, Lord. I wrote a song one time. My friend was like, this song is strong. It's not like this kind of songs you usually write. And it's from, I think it was Psalm, yeah. Um, Cast, it's about casting people. It's, 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 it's very scary. It's very, it's very, it's very scary. It's people that have wronged you. That particular Psalm was going like, uh, yes, uh, make their prayer sing. I don't write songs like that, but that, in fact, that entire song was that entire, this, the sound. And because David wasn't groaning then, and I related with that. I was a teenager. I don't understand the kind of pain I was relating to, but I was like, let their prayer be seen. Hey, Jesus, what, what, whose prayer do I want to be seen? True, true. You know, just reconsidering these things and just wanting peace for other people, the way we strive for peace in our own selves, in our own homes, 
so that when I can, anytime me and my uh, me and my siblings we don't even quarrel. Maybe I just see that somebody is I'm not happy with somebody or somebody's not happy with me. The kind of vibrations that go on in the body. Are we like that or are we so accustomed to it? Like I let everything, let's scatter everywhere. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, I'm just shakeable. Do we strive to just be at peace? Do we strive to have a conducive environment for everybody, even at our own detriment and understanding that we are trying to be like God. So we have to be higher than our body, our human flesh, our own selves, our own selfish things that we want to for our own selves. We need to transcend that and want true peace because God is not a God of disorder. He likes order. He likes peace. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sakes, for the kingdom of God belongs to them. This is just telling us to pick up our cross every day. Pick, us, pick, up, pick up our cross daily and follow him. And that can look like a myriad of things. It can look like different things for different people in different degrees. Let's just think about what the worst can be. The worst that happened that we've seen was that the Lord of Lords <laughs> died for us, died for us. So let's just, let's just think about that. What are we willing to endure? We, when we started this presentation, we listed you know, what the apostles had to go through, what some people are still going through certain places in this world today, not 50 years ago, not yesterday, Places in China, places in the Middle East that you can't even say Jesus out loud without being killed for it. What are we willing to endure? Are we too posh to sing in city center? Are we too posh to talk to people about Christ because ah, I don't want to be embarrassed? Or are we, are we too posh to stand when people are saying, who are those that stand with Christ? You're like, don't let me be the odd one out. When we should sit there as a fiery opposition. Yeah, me to raise up our hand, like, ah, I'm here. I stand for Christ. I stand with Christ. And this doesn't now mean, eh, somebody now insulted you. You're not going to be opening Bible in the middle of the night. It doesn't justify bad behavior because we cannot look at licentious. Ah, you cannot do wrong because you are with Christ. We, we are capable of, of being corrected. We're capable of getting things wrong. It's just to go back to that meekness and that cleanness of heart and lower ourselves to receive correction, to receive things that can help us and develop us even further. And when we say that, we might not even see it, but perhaps we should go and think about things we've heard. Because for example, some people will take corrections from the pastors more than they'll take corrections from their own mother or father. You live with these people, you live with your wife, you live with your husband. Can that person call you a true Christian, a representative of Christ? Are you the best person to that person that is closest to you? Or everybody to everybody else out there in the world, you're a hero. But in your own home, you're the menace. Even though you're being persecuted for righteousness sake. Is it for righteousness sake or you're being persecuted for selfish reasons? Let's distinguish between that so that we are not, we don't have this grandiose idea of ourselves that have arrived and for Christ. And it says in the Bible there that you say, Lord, Lord, I called your name and I did this, I did that. People persecuted me for your sake. You say, I don't know you. It's just about our own particular um, and personal relationship with God. Yeah, so that was the Beatitudes that we just, um, that, those were the Beatitudes that we just covered. And I don't know if anybody has anything about which one do you think you want to practice? Which one spoke to you? Which one is your favorite? Anybody?
Nobody. Are we calling names? Um, I want to say something. Yeah. I was want to say something. Titi, God bless you. That was so profound. And um, just somebody said something, and I, I just want to share it with also. When he was, um, my friend, he said beautiful. He said beautiful attitudes. Mm. And that was my And the way you just explained everything now, you see that these are the attitudes that we need to take. And if you watch those beatitudes, we see that it cannot compare it to what we call blessing because mm. it's fluctuating. In one minute, it looks like, oh, you have to be prosperous. In the mm. other minute, you have something like a break that is also capping you and trying to get you. Okay, you have to be what's merciful. You have to be meek. You have mm. to be all that. And those attitudes that we need to have as believers and Christians. Mm. And it's just a food for us, for all of us to go and check your life and then judge yourself, not judge others, judge yourself and see if these things are being found in your life as Christians. Mm. You know? Thank, Thank you, you for so that, much. Kingsley. Thank you very much. Um, I've not had NATO. I'm praised. Want to hear your voices, your beautiful voices, please. Nato, baby. Hi, sister uh, Titi. Thank Hiya. you for the message so far. I'm just trying not to speak too much because of David just left. Uh, that was perfect. I really enjoyed every bit of it. God bless you, ma. God bless you. Thank you. Praise. Anything standing out to you? Anything you want to ask question on? Or anything you want to share with us and bless us with? I've been following. <laughs> um, well, maybe the last one really stood out to me. Um, picking, taking up your cross daily. Like, it's a daily thing. It's not something that we... I don't know. It was just bringing a lot of scenarios to my head. And I was just trying to... You know all those times you're saying, try to imagine, imagine. I was trying to follow with my imagination. Mm. It's been beautiful. Thank you, Ma. Oh, thank you very much. Anybody else? Please bless us now. I should yeah, beg. I just want to... Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, um, Sister Damola. Yeah, I think for me, it's the first one and the one about, yeah, poor in spirit and persecuted for righteousness' sake. Okay, so um, for the poor in spirit, I mean, it's, it's really, really because like you're, you really need to admit, you mentioned admitting the fact that you know, we are limited. A lot of times, I mean, it's like we know too much and then we just mm -hmm. feel things on our own and figure things out, which is not true. And then recently, I was speaking with a friend. We're just talking about persecution and all of us. And then we're like, even if we may not necessarily have to go through the kind of persecution the disciples and other people in the Bible went through, like being crucified and all of that. That there are certain persecutions that can we actually like do we have do we actually have the ability to like face those kind of persecution in the sense of maybe missing out on opportunities like promotion mm. or mm. a lot of big things that we without we really wanted and then because of our faith it's like oh we can't get it because we want mm. to please so it's like it's really really challenging and then we know we have a God that can help us so, yeah. mm. thank you so much for that yes. Ife? Um, I'll start about blessed are the peacemakers. Hmm. It's so okay. difficult <laughs> to be intentional 
but through the Holy Spirit, uh, Holy Spirit always helps us to be peacemakers. Mm. But humanly, <laughs> it's so difficult to be because mm. there are some times as a statistic, so you just want to go, you know, and you just have to calm down again and be like, okay, this is it and that and just. So yeah, for me, that's it's that one and everything. Yeah, but that one stands out for me because I really. Um, I try to do that always. So, and it's very, very hmm, following. <laughs> Thank you for that. I just imagine two FT people fighting in my front door. And they're like, bah. or even people I know, and then they're going at it hard. What should I do? Who can advise me? Should, as a peacemaker, should I enter the middle? You know, as a peacemaker, sometimes you that will receive the heaviest blow. So <laughs> what should I do in that, in that situation? Or for example, a younger sister and an elder sister, or some, somebody in, I'm in the middle. What, what, is, what, should, what should I do? Pastor, please can you help us? What should I do in that situation? People are fighting. Is it wisdom to walk away? Or should I try strive to be a peacemaker? It depends on whatever the Holy Spirit is leading you to do at the time. <laughs> There's always a, 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 an expression of wisdom for every tricky situation we find ourselves. And that can look like anything. So there is no other and fast road to it. Mm. But at that point in time, there will be a grace and a wisdom that is available. And if mm. you say what nudge God is giving you, you'll be fine. Mm. Thank you for that. Like Everything boils down to that closeness to God to hear what he's saying. Thank you for that beautiful contribution. A blessing is something that some or someone that brings us closer to God. Like Damala just said now, <laughs> you're given an opportunity to write, to, to, to be elevated at your place of work. But does that thing require some questionable connections or questionable movements? Does that thing take us closer to God? And one, one of the first topics we treated at um, TOP was so what does it mean to be successful? And one of the those that stood out going to bed at night, knowing that you gave your all, this transcends that. What does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be a blessing? If you're somebody that attached that 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 takes people further away from God, if you're if if the particular situation takes you, is a, is your phone a blessing? Is that new Samsung Z Flip Crush phone? Whatever new one they are bringing out. <laughs> You know, no, it's flipping now. You can be able to twist it tomorrow. You know, like, is it taking you closer to God? Is or is that thing further take? We love our earthly families, our earthly families so much, but are they the ones that be doing ah, eh, to church again? Or is is that thing? Let's just reconsider the things we consider as blessings because there might be one influential person that wants to give us a, a million pounds. Sounds very good in my ears. But that million pounds, what are the conditions that come with it? Does that mean you will not go to church that year? Because you have to work round and round the clock. You're always exhausted. You have not opened your Bible in three years. Is that the situation? Is that opportunity a blessing truly? Anything that separates us or moves us back from God, we need to reconsider if it's truly a blessing, no matter what it looks like in the eyes of the world. Yeah. So you may not be feeling blessed. Why? What are some of the situations that will make us feel like, ah, 
I'm not being blessed. And why is that the why, why is that the case? It's probably you didn't ask God to bless you. Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. That's number one. You did not even bother to ask. Ah, I do not have a job. I do not have a spouse. I do not have this. I do not have that. Have you asked God? And God knows what I want now. He still says you should ask. Ask. Whatever it is, ask. He knows your heart desires, but ask still. Number two, did you ask in faith? If you have just a faith as tiny as a mustard seed. I remember that year in CRS, they brought that seed to class. I was like, ah, I can't see this thing well. Very tiny. Do you have a faith as tiny as that? Did you ask in faith? Or you're just, eh, they say we should say it. Pastor is looking at me, so I have to recite it. Did you ask for deep within your heart? Did, is, is it asking faith? Let's imbibe that culture, believing the things we say and understanding that our words have power. Like they said now, to say God of God of that. So people are probably asking in faith and they are receiving it. And you are saying, oh Lord God of Israel, but is is a poem. It doesn't mean anything. You're just reciting poetry. Let us ask in faith. Are you asking for the wrong reasons? I'm not blessed. I'm not blessed. Why are you asking for that blessing? If it's something that will harm you, why do you expect God to give that to you? He doesn't want you harmed because his thoughts towards us are of good and not of evil to give us an expected end. So if what you're asking will harm you or you're asking for the wrong reasons, wrong, wrong motives, you want to oppress, in these streets, why am I the only one? Wrong reason. We need to lower ourselves. Somebody that is not humble cannot receive. James 4, you can read the, the, the chapter. You're not feeling blessed. You don't think God has blessed you. You don't think you've received anything. Are you humble enough to receive? Or everywhere you go, it's quarry. You don't need anything. So nobody can give to you. And sometimes that's because of some of our upbringing. Sometimes I, you know, ah, independent woman. And my best friend actually told me, Titi, who will give you something when you don't seem to need anything? I'm like, oh, I sat down and thought about that too. I said, ah, oh my God, okay. So you understand? Like, why are you not receiving? Because you don't need anything. Okay, damn Larry, we'll definitely, oh, thank you. We'll definitely send the slides to you. Because you don't need, let us lower ourselves and ask for help if we need it. And then the other one, you're not, we, we walk not with the wicked, which is that some one that I love so much. You're not sitting in the seat of discomfort. You're not standing in the way of sin. You're not sitting, walking with wicked people. Who, which blessing will come and arrive at you there when people are going about causing turmoil? You know, just read that Psalm, Psalm chapter one and understand that when you walk in certain situations, when you walk with wickedness, when you are wicked at heart, you want to be blessed. You need to reconsider our ways. And then the other one is God's timing. We want it now. We want it right now because the world says at 25, you marry, 26, you born the first, 28, you born the second, at 29, you must have mortgage or a house by 30, CEO or second to CEO. Is that God's? arrangements for your life god's timing is paramount you know people get, look at abraham at 100 years his mates at, at grandchildren great grandchildren they probably forgotten that they've given better and you're just arriving you can't walk with somebody else's timing your timing is peculiar to god's purpose and will for your own life persistence huh. 
are you on the matter? Are we growing weary? Pray season without, without season, in and out of season, pray. We cannot get tired of praying. We cannot get tired of being hopeful because we know we have it. You're like, ah, I've tried 10 times. Try the 11th, try the 12th, try the 13th. People that receive are people that don't give up, which is one of the hallmarks of success. Let us be persistent in our prayer, in our worship with God, because our love for him is unconditional. Because his love for us is unconditional. He loved, he, was it, he put, he made us, he put love in us. But was it really, ah, these people we love. Look, we ate the fruit. He told us not to, and we ate the fruit, and we are here. He loves us still. Our, our, our attitudes or our reactions shouldn't be based on other, on, on certain actions. Or because you've not received certain things, we're growing weary. We're like, ah, I can't stand this matter. Let's stay persistent. Let's stay, you know, in that, in that, in that, in that space of being hopeful, of being expectant, and understand that in due season, going back to timing, it will come. You are asking for the wrong things, maybe. This is different from you asking for the wrong reasons. That thing you're asking for is probably south. You're going north. You're supposed to be going north. So that's making you stand in one place. That thing you're even asking for in the first place is not in God's will for you at all. That might be why you're not getting it. It's good to just constantly reevaluate our decisions, our choices, which is one of the things I, I'm working on. God help me, I can be slow sometimes. At Passion Palo, we studied uh, agriculture and then you now studied engineering. And then now you are a cleaner in HSBC. Some of the things that we are asking for might not be what God wants for us. But if we can, if we're not too stubborn in our own wisdom, flawed wisdom, we can attain the things God wants us to attain. If we can just lower our heart, if we can just, you know, impute ourselves with the will of God and learn to ask for the right things. Because they say we ask and we do not receive because we ask, ask amiss. We're asking for those wrong things. And then we confess and repent. You're probably not feeling blessed because you are the one standing in your own way. I'm the one standing, I'm the one keeping myself from my destination because we are, we, we, our heart is proud. We do not want to confess our sin. We do not want to repent. There are certain things, blessings are too great for a situation that we are in. We need to cleanse ourselves. And because sometimes when you receive that thing, your heart is still nudging at you because we, we are not repentant. We will not even value those blessings when they do come because we're not ready for it. And God will not give us a load that we cannot carry. We confess and we repent. You do not realize that you already have it, which is the final one. You probably feel that like you're not blessed because you, don't, you already have it, but you don't know you have it. This is something we emphasize on a lot at um, TAC in Liverpool. You have, God has blessed us with all heavenly blessings. The next verse, um, um, Bible verses will treat now, we'll read it in them. God has blessed us already. We've come full, Full package, that is what we come with. But the knowledge of what we possess is what we don't know. You know, scientists say that we use a particular percentage of our brain because if we tap into what we're capable, do you know that you can move mountains and you can say to this mountain, move, but is our brains able to process that right now? It's because we don't have capacity. We've not built ourselves to that level of faith to realize that we have this thing already. We are limitless because we have a limitless God. 
God doesn't have, like we say, capacity problems. He doesn't have capacity issues. The Lord shall supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. He has it all. And if your father has it all, much more to you who you are his child. He feeds the birds of the air, the, the, the serpents in the ground. They don't go hungry. They don't starve. Grasses, plants, look at the sprouts and photosynthesis, all those things. Science will give it all sorts of names. But God made these things happen naturally. Much more you is blessed, beautiful, highly favored child that he loves. He just remove yourself from the move pastor, they will remove Jacob and Abraham and Abraham and all those people. God came to die for you. Just picture that. You're the only person in this world. And Jesus now said, Ah, this child of mine, but I cannot leave you alone. He came to die for you. Imagine what you possess, and you're his child, and you're not a you're you're his child. Everything God has is yours. So we are limitless. We just need to understand that everything we could ever want, we already possess. And then how to now unlock these blessings. You've already felt that you don't have these blessings or you feel like God isn't blessing you. We've already treated the things you can do differently. But how do you truly unlock them? We need to understand that God is the ultimate source of our blessings. Perhaps you're looking at your uncle who is CEO, who has refused to employ you. You can have your own company and employ his children even. You understand? Let's not, let's fix our gaze on God because he is the one that will bless us without saying, what's that song? If man bless me, they will come and give story. Ah, it's not me that did this to you in that particular year, the one's glory. But the glory is supposed to be to God. And is the ultimate source of everything we own, all that we have, all that we could ever be. Now, the choice to be blessed is yours and yours. <laughs> because sometimes God wants to bless us. We're like, no, God, I don't want. And like, align yourself with that. Let's read Deuteronomy 30, 19. Anybody that gets there first, please unmute yourself and read. Okay, it says, Deuteronomy 30, 19. I am now giving you the choice between life and death, between God's blessing and God's curse. And I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Choose life. We don't understand the power we have in directing our own life. So if we're trying to unlock our blessings, blessings of Abraham, you're the head and not the tail you're above and not beneath you're lifted you're not cast down have you chosen life because it looks here like we truly do have a choice but we keep saying i want to go south um, north but every decision you're making is taking you south every decision you have choose this or this this will take you north this will take you south you intentionally you're taking the pen when you know you're going south and you want you cannot see, we are a product of what we do, not what we say that we do. So you can say we can talk forever, but what are we, our actions doing? What are we choosing consciously? Let us today intentional, be, inten be intentional about choosing life because that power of choice, we do have it. We are not as helpless as we think we are. Then you want to unlock your blessing. Do you fear God? Let's read Psalm 112. This one when we have the time do we fear god we need to have that humility because with the fear of god brings so much wisdom 
and wisdom brings with it so many, so many blessings, so many blessings, so many ills to be avoided if only we are wise. Let us fear God in all that we do. Let us cherish the commandments of God. We want to, we, we want to be steered in the right direction. What is going to steer us in the right direction? Why did God give us these things in the first place? Are they just there to fill space? Because the Bible is so empty. Let them put extra words in there. God has given us this commandment. Honor your father and your mother. The days shall be long. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not this. Do not. Let us cherish these things. But we know that the ultimate of all is summarized. Love the Lord that God with all, with all your heart, with all your soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> the, the, when we unpack what love is and that which you want done unto you, you do unto others. It takes us so far. It takes us so far. And somebody ever wronged you and felt foolish? <laughs> that is love speaking. When you know that, oh, this thing, you deserve this. And then I call it killing with kindness. Uh-huh. When your spouse is even like, sometimes I'm like, I'm going through issues and me and my husband go through things and I know something I've done wrong. And he does all that and I'm like, why is this so nice? Why is this so kind? Even you by yourself, you're telling yourself, arrange yourself, arrange your destiny and your brain. You have to understand the thing that God has done for you and cherish that. So let's just, let us love and cherish the commandments. They are to steer us to the right way. They are not to lead us astray because God's word, God's will for us is for us to be there with him in heaven. And he's telling us now to cherish the word and the teachings of God which is definitely what we just said about command, but commandments is specific because those are laws. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's a law, that's a rule. It's not a suggestion. It's not, eh, maybe you should, maybe you can do it. But then the word and the teachings of God in its totality, which is the Holy Bible, what does it tell us? It, it just, it guides our, it informs our life. We don't know who we are. And that's what they say, you can't love who you don't know. And we are waiting on the accounts, word, 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 the word to word accounts of people and their relationship with Christ and God, where we have this undiluted word that we can see ourselves, the reflection, Jesus is there and you look like him and it's there for you to look at, but you're looking at another flawed human being. Let us hold on to the word of God, hold it close to our heart, cherish it and let it direct our path for us to unlock our blessings. So in... Conclusion, we can look at Ephesians and Galatians. Ephesians 1, 3 to 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ. And when you talk about that blessed, you see, it's always in the past tense. He has blessed us. We come full. We come complete. He has blessed us, not just blessed us. He blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And when you look at every spiritual blessing, <laughs> because that blessing is all encompassing, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Like we've been saying all along, without holiness, you cannot see God. And God has blessed us already. Let us hold on to that. And Galatians 3, 13 and 14 says, Christ has redeemed us out of the curse of the law, having become a curse on our behalf. Because it is written, 
Cursed is anyone hanging on a tree. And we know that Christ died on the cross of Calvary for our sins. In order that the blessing of Abraham, you can look at Genesis 12, 13 for those, might come to the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. Like we said, blessings is as simple as that, having faith and you've received it because you have it already. That just makes you understand that you have it. And what is, is common to both, you say in Christ, you're blessed in Christ. You know, the blessing will come to Gentiles in Christ through faith. It just goes to show us that there is nothing we can do on our own. And it is in Christ we have our being. It is in Christ that we are complete. It is in Christ that all of this makes sense. Because you see somebody that has been insulted and keeping quiet. If you've ever lived on the streets and you know that a hey, man for himself knew you cannot allow somebody to trample on your parade. You, you want to fight for yourself. And I've been on that survivor mood. Ah, in these streets, if weakness is a, is, is a sin. You cannot afford to be weak. <laughs> but when you come to understanding that God stands for you and you and, and you people are insulting you and you're just quiet, you're like, oh, I can't even fight for yourself. Then I don't want to go to God. God is taking all these profanities away from my mouth. And people call you all day. Ah, oh, slow. You're slow. But it doesn't make sense to everybody else. But to God, because you're not seeking the approval of people, if you follow people, you will go into a ditch. They will definitely lead us astray. But when we look unto God, we look foolish. But has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? He, they are wise in their own eyes. Ah, they can arrange everything. They can take people as slaves. They can do this. They can manipulate things for their favor. All of it, to what end? To what end? Science can only explain so much. Art can only express so much. But when we go higher, when we rely on something more, that it doesn't even make sense. The happiness it brings, would you rather take that chance or would you stay on the right path? Let's just ask ourselves these questions. Like we said, the blessing is something or someone that brings you closer to God. And I hope uh, we've been blessed by this and try to be a blessing in our own lives. And no matter how difficult it is, it is never too late. We can start today. I spoke to my friend earlier today. Ah, this, 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 backslid and this, this, this. I will start next week. No. Carry your Bible now. Now. I'll be on the phone together. Oh, yeah. You've already read something. Tomorrow, try to do that again. It's, it's not about putting a date to it. Because nobody knows the how, the time, that anything will happen. Let's just try as much as we can relying ultimately on the grace and mercy of God to make us ready so that we will not be like the other virgins that did not have oil in their lamp because they burnt it and consumed everything. Let us have excess in the pocket, something we can always whip out. The word of God we can always whip out to replenish. And like we said, the mouth talks from the abundance of the heart. And where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be. Is your treasures on the things of God? Is your heart in heaven? Or is your, are we distracted by all of these meaningless things? Thank you. May God bless us all in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I have a question, please. Mm. Is, can we? Can, yeah, God bless you, Titi. God bless you. My God, that was profound so much. 
like you've said a lot of things, but you wouldn't know until you listen to it again. But can we have a, because this last word is what brought this question. A blessing is something that brings you closer to God. Does it mean that we can have good and bad blessings? Because some people are blessed with God, with work or blessed with a lot of things. And you see them, they don't even pray well again because they believe in their own strength and all that. So do we have bad blessings or good blessings? I don't know if anybody wants to add to that before. I know you've not said anything. <laughs> oh, I'm still ruminating on meekness. I'm just looking at it. Okay. <laughs> I'll still share what I would say about it, but it just struck me when you mentioned it. Oh, okay. Anybody can, uh, Kingsley's, what's going to okay, like we don't say, I don't know, Pastor, can you help us? The Bible verse puts that in perspective. Proverbs 10 22, the blessing of God adds no sorrow. sorrow. So anything that does anything apart from bring you closer to God is not a, is not God's blessing. That's why, of course, when Titi has mentioned this, when we are praying and asking for things, we want to be sure that we are not just asking for just anything, but what He wants. Uh, that's why I wrote is this opportunity from God because there are many opportunities that you will accept and even give testimony in church and say, ah, God did this and God did that. But as long as it takes you away from the one that is supposed to be the blesser, then that's that's not his blessing in that sense. So yeah, it's not like there is any good blessing or bad blessing. Blessing is blessing. Mm. It's truly of God. It is what it is. Yeah, that's how I see it. Thank you, sir. Um, Kingsley, I hope. Yes, that's fine. Thank you. All right. I don't know if we have any um, other. I wrote down the question we asked about. And um, one thing that Damilari said is that don't outsource your relationship with God. Um. <laughs> That's powerful. We, we outsource this. We are too busy. God, I have more important things to do. I will rely on the God of this person. We're like, we're like agents. Ag agents. <laughs> we are outsourcing. No. We. we <laughs> We can't be lazy. We can't afford to be lazy. Somebody might misquote. Somebody might misright. Somebody might say it wrong. But when we have that, we can't go wrong. And then the question we asked about Pastor Jumokia, did you know? <laughs> Should we? The way I, okay, let me just say personally. The way me I say it, I won't talk about on what she said because I haven't listened to the whole situation context. But for me, what I say is, God, you might be in that situation to help somebody because it's not just about you and your own upliftment in life because we can be, we're always looking for blessings. How eager are we to be a blessing to other people? So, but I do believe that if I have a circle of people I'm in and I'm consistently the only one that is always above, I feel like there's a question. Am I growing or do I feel like I have arrived? Or do I love minions around me, people I can direct? Do I love simplicity? Just you do that, you do that. I'm the, I'm the best here. That we should strive to have, but all, I think what she was referring to, if I heard correctly, is material things. Just um, amassing wealth, earthly wealth, which is not my concern. It has never been my concern. But just in great things in general, mm -hmm. if in, in your circle, it's only you that know how to preach the Bible and everything you say is right. Nobody questions or asks questions or even imputes. Nothing anybody says makes sense to you because you're the custodian of the full knowledge of God. 
you know, you request don't raise eyebrow. Mm. We need to bless people, <laughs> but we need to be watered as well. And that is why we pray even for our own pastors. Why do we need to pray for pastors? <laughs> they can pray. Why do we need to pray for priests? They can pray. They talk to God. But we water and bless each other. That's how I feel anyway, personally. Um, Anu, please go ahead. Oh, it was Damola that raised her hand first. Oh, okay. Damola, please go ahead. I have a question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all related to the Beatitudes. Okay, when we talked about being peacemakers, being meek and all that, and then I remembered something, loving your enemies, yeah? And then I think about when in church or, yeah, places, and then we're, we're giving prayer points or, like, to our enemies, like, ah, they will burn, they would be stoned, they would be decent. And then sometimes I'm like, I mean, what were them? But then I'm not thinking that the Bible, I just want to say that they're telling us that we should, I mean, the Bible that also says we should love our enemies, we should pray, we should pray for them, we should pray that we be blessed and all of that. And then the same Bible also says vengeance is of the Lord. So it's like, I don't know, it's, it sort of confuses me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Can I answer that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, let me show my face. Ah, thank you so much for your question. Yeah. I just want to chip something in. You know, the problem we have is um, is that we, we've so much played doctrine a lot in our, in our church, in churches and Christianity, and it has affected a lot of things. And we don't... Um, we don't uh, we don't practice what we see in the scriptures. I'm, I was reading the book of First Corinthians. Um, I've forgotten the chapter, probably nine, ten, or eleven, when Paul was telling them about some of the problems that he heard that they have done and all that. When you say pray for your enemies, that's what the Bible says. Now, God also said something in, as well in the Bible. He says that we don't fight against flesh and blood. But when we see ourselves praying against, you know, let them fall and die, fall and die. You see that we are praying contrary to scriptures. Because we are thinking that our enemy is human beings. But our enemy is the devil. Mm. We have one enemy, is the devil. So when I, I noticed when, when I was reading First uh, Corinthians the other day, no, Matthew, I think it's Matthew or Mark, where Jesus spoke to, he said, uh, I, I saw that someone was having convulsion. And God spoke to the spirit of, he said, the new spirit of meat and death come out. Jesus did not speak to the person, but he spoke to the spirit that is making that. So when someone is getting on your nerves and trying to be an enemy or something, the person is not operating by him also. So you are not hitting the person, but you're speaking to the spirit that is trying to that the person has allowed to come into this. So when we say fall and die, I don't know how scriptural that is because there's an instance where Peter told Jesus, can we call them Elijah? Can we call that fire? I can't, I can't remember exactly how the scripture, maybe Pastor that can help me or somebody else, but he talked about calling that God was, Jesus was like, no, 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 no. This is not what we do in this kingdom. So in this kingdom, we don't do this, we don't do that. So I think we need to, really start digging the, the Bible ourselves and leave some of the doctrines that we've grown up to believe because these things are people's personal opinion that they have just turned to doctrines 
and then people are living with it. Praise God. Thank you. Anu, please don't forget what you want to say. Please, I, because what I'm saying that you might want to add to it. So let me just, I just, <laughs> if we can open to Psalm 109, that was the psalm I used to write that song, maybe 10, 50 years ago. And it says, hold out your peace, oh God, my praise. Here I am, Lord, my voice I raise. I've done you wrong in so many ways, but here I am to repent today. Hear me, Lord, I have come. Here I am on the run. My enemies I have come. I need you, Lord, to make me strong. They surround me with words of hatred and lie against me without a cause. They open their mouth against me. With their lying tongue, speak bad of me. Their days shall be few. And their prayer sin, hold not your peace. The first, <laughs> so I'm like, why? From what Kingsley has said now, I'm saying somebody's days will be few. I'm saying their prayer will be seen. I'm saying, God, hold not your peace. But it's all in Psalm 109. Do you understand? That's, that's just my own thought process in doing that because I was probably going through something. From what Kingsley is saying now, we don't have the basis, but there's so many parts in the Bible like that that says things that we're like, is it contradictory? I'm not, I'm not a theologian, so pastor will help us. But before, I just want us to understand the, the, what I was saying when I read that song. Even me, sometimes when I read it, I'm like, you know, why are you that angry? Why are you mean? <laughs> but is the Bible mean? Is the Bible angry? No. So let's just, I, I, I don't go ahead, please. And if you can add to that and the meekness you want to talk about as well. Okay, thank you. Uh... I, I do believe, just to follow on with what you just said, that God lets us, he's given us a chance to pour out our heart. But that doesn't mean that it would literally make their life, I don't know, the curse that we that <laughs> is in there. So we have the opportunity to brand and just pour it out. That's that's the that's what it, um, the tearing of the temple cloth, that's what it's for. Just says as it is, then it ministers. So after the outpouring comes the administration it gives. It's only when we get stuck on the outpouring, on the die, 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 because it wronged me that your children would die and things. That's when it becomes a bit diabolical. Like mm -hmm. you're being like them, as much as you think you're on the right, like the words are not really getting fulfilled. So that's what I'll say for that. But now I talk about from Kadijuma. She's my person. I've not listened. While you guys were talking about the person, when I was still trying to get down and go to sleep, when I heard that phrase, at least we just said for Kadijimo. <laughs> and the thing about her is that, like I used to say, might be taking out of a context. She, she's, she's a, she's a drive, she's a driver for success. Even though when she talks about marriage, there's a way she be this, wear sex at night gown. Don't, she doesn't want it to be ordinary. So I, I've not listened to it, I'm, I'm biased because of this, I like her. <laughs> but I think where she's coming from is because like, don't be just, don't just stay on one spot, like be more than you are. And if all of us should follow that, I know Kola wouldn't agree, but if all of us should follow that, um, that, um, that, that, that thing she said, that means all of us are being successful then you see, like, if Titi says, oh, I want to work with people that are rich, and I know she wants to work with people that are rich, that means all of us that become rich because we've upgraded ourselves. And I think that's whatever, whatever something that she says things that are very awkward about marriage, or she, she will tell you, 
if, it, if it's not clinical, clinical, go out. And I'm thinking, ah, cohesive, like you can't just, you can't just brush it off. But I, I get, I get where she's coming from. I think over time that she's becoming so stringent on the rules, 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 rules. And I'm hoping that God will help her. Coming back to my meekness, I've been pondering as this guy said it. And I like it. When, when, when you were reading the meekness, I went to open um, the amplified version. So I just read it out. It says, blessed, then in, in bracket, it says, happy to be envied and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions, are the poor in spirit, in bracket again, the humble, who raise themselves insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Then I went to the um, the Greek version. I don't know if it's Greek or one thing. She had written in some way, some way. And the synonym of being meek is, being, it says gentle, of a soothing disposition, being moderate, being forbearing, being fit and being lenient, being humble and soft and tender. And while I'm while I was reading that, what God was bringing to my mind was it was, was something that happened at work. And God said, that is what I wanted to be to them. It's not about getting clarification. Like that's why I haven't spoken basically. I've just been ruminating about and seeing how, how, how possible would it be to, to, to be soft when your colleague is talking to you in a very condescending manner. You're sitting right beside him and you're trying to explain something. It's flipping you. Like, oh, I, know, I, know, I know, I know. I'm thinking, will you let me finish? And 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 so it's for saying this to me, and I'm trying to say, are you sure you want me to be this soft? Because soft means you get trampled on, and there's so much trampling you can get. My my nature is if I'm not invested in the thing, then the trampling can go on. But if I'm invested in it, I'll literally want you to understand my position. You have to understand if I leave there, and things like that. So. I'm just trying to wrap my head around how to be meek and poor in spirit. And I think those people will help me as I usually go along. And thank you, Titi, for bringing that up. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, too. Thank you. Um, from what you just said now, let Pastor around. We've spent a lot of time. And um, like you just said now, and from what we said about meekness, it is not being a doormat. It is not being trampled upon. It is not being a coward. But in as much as we are peacemakers and we're being meek, and like I said, Moses in the Old Testament, um, Jesus in the New Testament, Jesus ultimately, a symbol of meekness, he offered himself up to be. That kind of colleague, I'll say it once, I'll say it twice, and then I'll accept his character and I'll show them through my life, through my, the way I speak. They might never get it. I'll let the Holy Spirit do the work of them, like you said, like the Holy Spirit will teach you. But at the end of the day, Meekness, people see it as weakness or being a doormat. Anything anybody does goes. No. Even Jesus, when they were selling things in the temple, eh, in my father's house, it's scattered everywhere. You understand? So, like, it's not, yeah, I'm not saying scattered. Sorry, I'm not saying scattered everywhere. But I'm just saying it's not for us to be a doormat. It's not for us to maybe to speak our words. We should be vocal and stand for truth and stand for things that are holy and stand for things that are just and things that are right. But I feel like our attitude, like we say, <laughs> it's not just the things we say, it's how we say it. If first says things in the nicest ways, you will always receive it. 
You feel I want to be like you. I was just about to ask you. When I grow up, I was be like you. I was just about to ask you. How can we rate it? How can we measure when you're not being trampled on and when you're being trampled on? Or how can we rate that this is weakness or this mm. is not weakness? Mm. Very way. <laughs> I feel like pastor will help us with that or psychologist, but I feel like uh-huh. the other the other part to it is like the besides obviously it's all about the Holy Spirit talking to our heart, but the other way I look at it is, do you, is you being right more important at that moment? Is, is what you think is right? I want to be right. I want to be just. This is wrong. My, they must take what I'm saying. Is, is you being right? Does this supersede peace? Does this supersede wisdom? Does this supersede grace? Does this supersede acceptance? Does this, do you understand? Because sometimes we look at meekness and we're like, ah, I will not be taken for granted. Fine, fine. You can't be a doormat, but if you say it with grace and kindness, this isn't right. There's a time and place. I feel like, like Pastor said and um, Anu said, Holy Spirit and wisdom. <laughs> wisdom is profitable. <laughs> There's certain things you will say that will lead you into even deeper problems, more issues. That's why wisdom comes in. And I feel like the Holy Spirit to teach us how to act because they will teach us what to say, even in front of kings and whoever. But I know Pastor will shed more light on that, but after I know Pastor will go and we can close up. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Sorry, Pastor. Can I go on? Yes, yes please. I was going to say that um, in light of what you first said, it's, it's difficult, City. It is. There are times it is. where <laughs> it is the Holy Spirit telling you, Anu, say this. Because mm. as much as as much as I, I, I shy away from confrontation because I always believe that I don't have the details when it, when it's certain, when it, when it concerns people. But there's some times where it is not about being right. It's about addressing a situation so it doesn't reoccur. It's, it, it's, it's vital to the relationship, to the business itself. You can't, you can't, you can't refer to a person in third person when they're sitting beside you. It, the core is wrong. And, and I think I'm still in there. I'm not being meek yet, so I'm still in there. I'm still in there on my part. But I'm, I understand what the Spirit is saying to me about being meek. I understand that. But then I'm rehashing the situation and I'm thinking, it's, it's, so, it's too wrong. If there's a word like that, it's just too... It's too wrong and needed to be addressed. I could take it, like, if it's about being right, like you said, Titi, obviously, yeah, I, I don't really care. I can just, just wing it and go. But there are times where you've seen it, it's just, um, ugh. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, sometimes, yeah, whereby you're, you're, you're saying that there are sometimes when you feel you have to talk why there are sometimes you feel you're not talking yeah that meekness that you think you will feel angry about it that why am i being like this you feel mm. as if you are slow or you are too soft you even be angry about it that you're too soft mm. so in that situation you, you just have to listen to the Holy Spirit. Just yeah. we're just praying that God helps us to listen to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because sometimes you just get 
you might be this that's your own part but in someone else's part the person is getting hungry there well you know why not talking i love how serious david is king david look at him smiling <laughs> the, the, the just mentioned to me that the key actually to this meekness is the second part that comes poor in spirit if i need to talk but I remember that I am poor in spirit. I think that would douse down. It would douse down whatever has been through my head. So yeah, I get it. I get the points now. I get that's the points will help us. Yeah, we can um, continue this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah please. I feel like um, while the beatitudes are kind of listed, I feel they're more like um, connecting dots. It's like it's a bigger picture but then it's being broken down for us to understand that bigger picture. Mm. So sometimes we're so fixated on each particular beatitude, but it's more of just breaking down a bigger picture just for you to understand better. So yeah, being make in spirit, but then you should understand the bigger picture, not just fixated on just that aspect. That's Thank just my understanding, that. yeah. Pastor, please, would you round up for us in the absence of any other? I'm so pregnant, but first and foremost, pregnant with gratitude to Titi for such a wonderful conversation and discussion and teaching, all of many gifts, finding expression all at the same time. Thank you so very much. Thank I've you. Been, really, there's not much to say. But I'll, I'll pick it up from exactly where Sister Niken landed it. The bigger picture is Jesus. The bigger picture is to be like Christ. And every index of those beatitudes, you find it, find the fullest expression you can imagine in Jesus. And this Jesus will be the one that would be quiet at some times that you'd have expected him to speak and mm -hmm. would speak at some times that you'd have expected him to be quiet. Mm -hmm. But meekness simply puts his strength under control. Mm -hmm. Meekness is, is self-control. In fact, in the... You know, there is Amplified Bible and there is Amplified Bible Classic Edition. In the Amplified Bible, the plain one, um, in verse 5, it amplifies meekness to be being kind-hearted, being sweet-spirited, and mm. being self-controlled. Mm. But the Amplified Bible, the Classic Edition, the Classic Edition is the older edition. It says being mild, being patient, and being long-suffering. Mm. Um, and of course, when you bring all of those things together to imagine what meekness would be, what you are saying is something that is that has been brought under control, really. Mm. When you say something is mild, it's corrosive, but it has been doused to a point that you can take it. That doesn't mean that it is still not dangerous. It is still mm. very dangerous. Mm. Very sense. But something has been done to it by an external force, in this case, the power of God, the Holy Spirit, the graces that God is given to us as we live and do life with him, that makes it possible for that supposedly corrosive, combustible substance to become, to have a mild effect. Now you can pour it on your skin and it wouldn't burn you too much. It will still burn you. But, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's meekness in a sense. It's having a sane estimation of yourself or mm. uh, prioritizing the other about mm, so no ego <laughs> begin to link it to like romans 12 3 philippians chapter 2 in fact philippians 2 puts it ever so brilliantly and again in that place he was describing jesus himself 
from verse three thereabouts, consider one another, consider the other person has been more important than you and let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. And that's exactly what Jesus did in the sense that even though he's equal with God, he did not consider that as something to grasp, but he willingly gave himself even lower than we would ever imagine to the point of dying like a sinner for a sin he never committed, becoming sin in fact for all of the world. So, yeah, that's meekness in a nutshell, self-control. As we were going back and forth about it, I remember this scripture in Proverbs chapter 26, uh, verse 4 and 5, and I'm going to actually read it. Uh, you can actually open it if you have a Bible with you as well. Proverbs 26, uh, verse 4 and verse 5, I believe. In the Passion Translation, it says, don't respond to the words of a fool with more foolish words, or you will become as foolish as he is. That's mm. why instead, if you are asked a silly question, answer it with words of wisdom so that the fool doesn't think he's so clever. The Passion Translation makes it look like there are, I mean, it's a continuum, verse four and verse five continues. Like, don't respond to the words of a fool, otherwise you become as foolish as he is. But instead, actually still respond, but respond with words of wisdom. So that that fool will not think he's so clever. But if you read it in like the KJV or the other versions, it just actually says it ever so plainly. Answer not a fool according to his folly, yet so that you don't become like him. Next verse, answer a fool according to his folly, so that that fool <laughs> does not become wise in his own eyes. And then you read those two verses and you pause and ask yourself, so should I answer a fool or should I not or should answer? I know? If I answer a fool, I might become like him. If I don't answer a fool, that fool will think he's actually smart. So what should I do? Then comes the control, and that's the Holy Spirit. It lets you know which way to land per situation. And it's not going to be the same side that you will land on every time. There'll be times they would say, don't respond. Let this foolish person feel like he's very clever. And there are other things you would say, respond addressing the situation of the person, um, but in a way or with the words that I would give you so that the person will know that he's not as clever as he thinks. And at the same time, you have not come down to his level to become foolish like him. That's that. The other question about um, our prayers, when we pray all these interesting prayers, <laughs> um, and we've responded very brilliantly. I Especially, I like that Titi brought in Psalm 109 into that um, discuss. There are some psalms like that. It's not even just only Psalm 109. There's a theological name for them, which I can't remember. But when we begin to understand that the psalms are more or less the words that God has given us to pray to him in a manner of speaking. I mean, the psalm, the way the Jewish people used it is a book of prayers and a book of songs. Um, but the point there is that you can, just like Anu was saying, be vulnerable with God to express yourself the way you want about whatever is going on. He sees you. In that particular psalm, David is not talking about spiritual enemy. He had literal <laughs> people in mind that he knew when he <laughs> and he wanted those things to happen to him. But it's still the same David that you find writing these very many other psalms where it goes on to just sound ever so beautifully poetic, extolling the graces and the mercies of God in the same tension, in the same human being. Something is coming forth at this time, something else at some other time. But to give a pastoral counsel to Damola in the sense of the question that she has asked, because the question still boils down to, okay, what should I do 
when I'm in a situation where someone is leading prayer and then he raises a prayer point that I don't feel comfortable with, especially in light of the New Testament passages that we read, um, James and John, for instance, Kingsley was saying that that's asked, they went to preach somewhere, they did not really accept them. And James and John suggested to Jesus, should we call them fire? I mean, we are disciples, you've given us all this power. And Jesus looked at them like, you these guys, you don't get it. <laughs> he says, you do not know what manner of spirit you have. Like, it's not this kind of spirit of all that fire and roast people. Now. Um, Elijah might have done that and gone away with it. Uh, in the name of, if I am a man of God. I mean, that was how Elijah said, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down and turn you guys to Suya. And people <laughs> they were roasted. They sent another delegate. They were all roasted. After 102 people have, have been roasted, <laughs> the next, the third delegate came and then that guy was smart. He thought all the ones that have gone before me did not get roasted. So he delivered the message with wisdom and Elijah eventually followed him. But the point really is, it's not in and of us to be praying that somebody physically speaking should fall down and die or should be the enemy that we have. Our enemies are not... They are, they are not flesh and blood. They are spirit principalities and powers. Yes, they can imbibe in people or walk through human vessels, but that person is not the enemy. The enemy is the devil. So back to the pastoral application. If you are in a setting like that, what should you do? If I was in that setting, what I do is I pray in the spirit. Um, and for the length of that prayer point that I don't feel like I want to pray. There are two kinds of prayers that you cannot pray and miss, praying in the spirit and praying prayers of thanksgiving. So if they are saying this and this should happen to this enemy, you know that the enemy is the devil. Even if you are not gifted in, in the gift of tongues, for instance, you can begin to thank God for your victory in Christ. I thank you, Jesus, that I have victory in Christ. I thank you. And you are saying that with ever so deep-seated assurance in your heart. Um, I, I came from that kind of background. That we do all these interesting prayers. I would even interpret, or sometimes after they've listed like several prayer points like that, then they will call some people to come and pray over the prayers. And I'll be one of those people that are called. And of course, when I get started with such responsibility, you see me quoting scriptures. For it is written, and they expect you to say it with ever so passion <laughs> and loud volume. But all I just do is look for a word from God's word that I can anchor that prayer point on and articulate that word with emphasis on the word. So I'm connecting people back to the truth that actually sets me as opposed to declaring that something and someone should die and courage. So yeah, that would be what I would do in that kind of a context. Um, it's not the kind of prayer that we should be praying really. Um, okay, so. For every other thing, I think Sister Titi had done a brilliant job. Um, there's nothing I want to hide. I'm just blessed, like seriously blessed. Um, I think right from when you started, one of the things God drew my attention to about blessing, um, especially when you mentioned Abraham, and I went back to read that passage where God actually said to him, in blessing, I will bless you. And then as though it was expatiating on what that means, the next statement was, and in multiplying, I will multiply your seed. And then even in the next verse, I would make your seed like so and so and so. And emphasis was beginning to land on legacy. So the blessedness that we are talking about is not the kind of blessing that hangs with us. 
it's in the multiplication, it's in the passing it on, it's in becoming a blessing to others. And that's why some people can rise up to say the God of X, Y, Z. Um, even as much as we have rightly um, affirmed that we shouldn't outsource our relationship to people, the fact still remains that we also want to live the kind of life or lead a kind of spiritual life that when we are gone, either physically or spiritually or whatever that might look like, people can continue to reference that there was such a time or there was such a one that God used for this and this. And I want to connect back to the manifestation of God's life through X, Y, Z. That's what, as much as it's a cultural thing, actually, by the way, because many of these things we're talking about, you can easily explain it by the fact that less than 200 years ago, all our grandfathers and forefathers knew was traditional worship. There was no light in that sense. And so when Christianity came, many of these things is just, we're just turning them to, and Christianizing them. So the way you go to a, a, a harbor to harm your neighbor, instead of going to a harbor, let me go to Jesus <laughs> <laughs> to harm my neighbor. The way you would expect that okay because you've been to seven other lists but it is this particular one that it used to is the same way you would say the god of god so, of that, so all of these things are they have just simple cultural traditional roots that are being kind of christianized in a manner of speaking but we just need to know the truth and know how to actually properly contextualize the gospel as the case uh, may be uh, but yeah, just to, to reiterate that it's not just about you. The blessing is actually in passing it on to your generations yet to come. And lastly, 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 the lyrics of the song, The Blessing, the song that was the hit song last year in the pandemic that just went on to become a hit. And I would advise or suggest that we actually go back to check the lyrics. It's from God's word. But I like that Elevation Worship took that and even amplified it more. And you see the emphasis again when they started saying it, may his, may, may his face shine upon you and upon your children and upon their children for a thousand generations. And they just went on, may he be before you, beside you, within you, all around you. It's all about the presence of God. It's all about being the face of God. It's all about God's countenance shining upon us. So anything that will take us away from that is taking away from God's blessing in our lives. But anything that would bring us to that point, whether that be thorns in our flesh. Paul's thorn in his flesh took him to God. He said, three times I went to say, do something about So whatever is keeping you talking to God is a blessing. Your delay sometimes is a blessing. Your, the accident is a blessing. Whatever it is that keeps you coming to God's presence, keeps you acknowledging his presence, keeps you Having a communication with the Father, it's a blessing, and we should see it as such. And that will look like all sorts of things. The ones will file as good, the ones humans will not file as good. By the end of the day, we are blessed because of it. So thank you so much, Mr. Kutu. God, God bless you.